If we neglect the use of this power, it is not that we lose the power, we simply use the power of faith for something else. Let's start with understanding what is faith. Yeah. So, the Oxford Dictionary defines faith as, do we have another mic? Do we have another mic? Yeah. So maybe who would like to read? Quickly. Yes. Yeah, you can read. Faith. Okay. Yes. This is the normal idea of what people think is faith. At least there's no evidence, there's no logic, and still you believe that is faith. Now, is that the understanding of faith we have in spirituality? Many times now if you are coming for a camp like this, your friends may tell you that why are you putting faith? Who has seen God? Who has seen the spiritual world? You see this world here and now? Be happy with that. No, we ourselves may get doubts that if I practice spiritual life throughout my life and then at the end of my life I find there is no God, then what is the use of practicing? So what, uh, what does this sort of analysis indicate? If faith means we are told to follow a process and we are promised a result at the end of the process. But there is no advance guarantee that we will get the result. So if such is the situation, that means we are being asked to put faith. Is this reasonable? That means we are asked to follow a process and told that if you follow this process you will get a particular result. And there is no guarantee that we will get the result. So in such a situation it can be said that we are being asked to put faith. Now on the other hand doubt is a tendency to disbelieve, tendency to reject, to be skeptical. So now in the modern society there is a notion that science deals with facts and religion or spirituality deals with faith. So because of this many people think that why should uh, I bother about things which involve faith. The facts are here and now I can see them. So therefore let me accept science and let me reject religion. That is the idea. Why? Because religion is based on faith. But let's see how actually faith is required not just in spirituality but also in every walk of life. Can you move forward? Now many of you remember this scene 9-11. So for one week after the 9-11 disaster the air traffic plummeted down to less than 50%. People were very fearful. What if I am on a plane that is hijacked? But what do you think happened after one week? What do you think happened? It came back to normal. Now is there any guarantee that one week after 9-11 there will no more flight hijackings? Nobody can provide a guarantee like that. So, why is it that people are still boarding flights and going? They are putting faith, isn't it? When we board a flight, we are told, you follow the process. The process is, you pay your money, take this ticket, and then, we are promised a result. You will reach your destination swiftly and safely. But is that result guaranteed? No. That means, Every time we board a flight, those people who are boarding the flight are actually putting faith. 
Is there any guarantee that the result will come? No. The plane may not get hijacked, the plane may just crash because of some technical problem. So, that means, why do people still go on boarding flights? Because we cannot live without faith. If we don't put faith, we cannot live in any walk of life. Let's take more common examples. Next. Now, if somebody decides, now let us go to the park. The father and the son are going to the, in the car, to the park. To see some zoo or some trees or whatever. If they are going, when we go on the streets, we are putting faith. Isn't it? What is the faith? That some drunkard truck driver will not come and hit us. And our own brakes will not fail. That the person who is driving is not going to sleep on the wheel. There are so many factors which can come in. Just the act of driving is an act of faith. Now, in America, before so many Indians went to do become software engineers, the predominant notion of India was, India is a country of overpopulation, disease, starvation and snake charmers. They had idea that if you walk on the streets of India, suddenly some snake will come and bite you and you will die. Therefore, don't go to India. That was their idea. Now, statistics show that more than the number of deaths due to snake bites in India are the number of deaths due to road accidents in America. So, it's not just that when we walk on the streets, in India you have to put faith. We are going on the streets in America in a posh car, also you have to put faith. What to speak of travelling on train, even when we sit in one place, we put faith. If somebody takes a house in a building, or we sit in this particular structure right now, we are putting faith. What is the faith? Yes, the building will not collapse. And the people who made this building did not use substandard material which will cave in. So, even to sit down in a place will require faith. Go ahead. Um, let's look at this from a more broader point of view. If you see, our faith begins from our birth. See, when we are born, the first activity that a child does, the infant, what is that? You know, as he starts crying and then when the mother picks him up and puts him his mouth on the breast and he starts suckling the milk. So now, you know in the story of Krishna Lila there was this demoness Putana who came with poison on her breasts. So now if the small baby starts saying, is this my mother or is this some evil woman? who has come? If that infant starts doubting, he will not live only. So that means our first life-sustaining activity is an activity of faith. And that is very instructive about the nature of life itself. Life begins with faith. And not just at the time of infancy. As we grow up, next, you know, if you look at every stage of life, I know, let's, we'll come to employment a little later. If you look at this is about employment. We look at how people when they go to office nowadays, especially software companies are there, they lay off people at any time. So, you go to your office and like one of my friends, he was in America, he was telling his real life experience, he said, he went to office and nowadays they don't, at least in some companies in India, they give one month notice, you are laid off, you have to leave in one month. But sometimes nowadays they don't even do that. 
They will not even come to you to tell you. They will just send you an email. You are fired, clear your desk and leave within half an hour. So he got an email like that. And he had just laid off. I know so many friends like that. Good people. Talented people just laid off. So he had to leave. And then he was searching around different options. Where can he go and work? Then suddenly he got a phone call. Then it was former boss. He was saying, you know, I convinced our management that we will take up some other project. You know, we are a good team. That project didn't work out, but we will work out some other project. So please come back. You are a good team member. So then he flew back. And the, they were sitting in their meeting hall. The manager was sort of apologetic. Sorry, you had to go through all this, but now we will do well in this project. Don't worry. And as all of them sitting in the laptops discussing what to do, suddenly the boss turned red-faced. That boss had received an email. You are fired. Clear your desk and leave half an hour. <laughs> so, you know, when we take up a job, we are putting faith that if I work for this company, sometimes people work 10 hours, 12 hours, 14 hours, and they are hoping that the company will give them a bright career, a good salary, and they will be able to have career growth. But, you might just be fired. So, when we take a job, we are actually putting faith. When this recession took place, big, big companies, especially banks which have been there for 100 years, just collapsed completely. So, so even taking up a job is an act of faith. Even before that, if we see, when we go for education, some of us may, all of us have chosen engineering, but somebody may choose medical, and even engineering may choose this branch, this college. Now, education is an act of faith. Uh, at a gross level, sometimes some new colleges, uh, students can take admission and they find that the college is not affiliated only with a university. And they get a degree which is of no value. Or even if it is affiliated, when students put faith in the education system that I work hard, I study, I get my marks, and then I will get a job. But we see thousands of students every year graduate into unemployment. So now, does that mean that other students will not take education? See, the same process is there. Yeah, to, same principle is there. The process is study. The promise is you will get a job. But is the guarantee there? No. But still people put faith. So, birth, education, employment. It's an important phase of our life. They are all based on faith. And normally for most people, what will come after employment? Once people get married, what is the next phase of their life? Yeah? What do people do after they have got a good, a good job, they settle down then? They get married. Isn't it? So, when they get married, yeah. So, what happens is, in America, one of my friends is saying, if you go to office, there is no guarantee you will have a job. When you come back home, there is no guarantee you will have your wife. Because the women there are fickle. The woman finds some, some other man is there who can give more enjoyment, who has more money. They just leave and go away. It really happens. People get frustrated. I lost my job. I lost my life. But uh, wife, let me throw away my life also. People come and suicide. So now if you see, in a marriage, some, one of the main reasons why people sometimes go in for divorces, they find the partner is having some other relationship with some other man or woman. And then, according to the laws, that clause, that reason for divorce is called breach of faith. That means when you have marriage, you have faith, you will be faithful to each other. But then somebody breaks that faith. So marriage is a relationship based on faith. We 
we are told that you get married, you stay with this person and you will be happy. Told to follow a process. But is there any guarantee that we will be happy? No. Like so many marriages we see, there are so many problems. Like some marriages just explode out into divorce, some other there are cold wars going on in the family. But still, people do get married. So, now for after marriage, what is the next thing that comes? Children. Now, if you see, at least in marriage, we have some ability to exercise our intelligence. You can meet the per- person, you can get to know a little bit about the person's background. And then you can decide whether I want to marry or not. But as far as children are concerned, there is no choice at all. It's almost blind faith. Because we don't know what will be the character of the child will be born, what will be his nature. He will be short-tempered. He, all parents hope that the child will grow up to be a very nice, gentlemanly, intelligent person. But so many children grow up to become headaches and heartaches for their parents. Still, parents become children. So, if you analyze like this, now every phase of life is based on faith. Without faith, we will not be able to do, go through any phase of life. So it's complete misconception to say that faith is required only in religion. No, faith is essential in every walk of life, every stage of life, and practically every activity of life. Here you see a barber. So the barber's knife is at our neck. Isn't it? <laughs> if the barber moves his wife, sorry, his knife, then we will move no more. You see how terrified this person is? On the other hand, if we go to a hotel to eat food, many of us hear sometimes in newspapers about food poisoning, salmonella or something like that. So, any times it is accidental, sometimes it may be intentional also. So, the very act of eating food is based on faith. The food is not poisoned, nor is it spoiled. It will feed me, it will nourish me. Now, uh, one of my acquaintances uh, is a doctor. So once he called me to his hospital, and he said, I will show you how a surgery is done. So I came in the hospital, and then we were sitting and talking, so the patient came along. And then, actually, you know, the doctor will naturally do his best to try to cure the patient. But can the doctor give a guarantee that he will get well after the patient surgery? No. In fact, the doctor makes the patient sign a disclaimer. Disclaimer is what? That if anything, I am taking, this, I am willingly undergoing this surgery at my own risk, by my own choice. If anything goes wrong in the surgery, I will not sue the doctor. It's called a disclaimer. So actually, now here the knife is just at the neck. There the knife goes inside the stomach also. And surgery is there. We willingly entrust our life to a doctor. If somebody has some terrible disease, if he says, I will not put faith in the doctor, he will not be able to live. So, actually, the doctor does not, does not give a guarantee of being cured, rather takes a guarantee from us that he will not sue me. And still people go and do surgery. Uh, if we go back further, it's not just about surgery or shaving or eating. No, nowadays we have weapons of biological warfare. Where you have anthrax. Do you say, I will not breathe because there may be anthrax germs in it. I can't put faith. If I enter a room first, I will have a filter. What kind of air is it? Then I will breathe. Huh? 
No, without faith we will not be able to live, we will not be able to do anything in life. Therefore, faith is essential, integral to life itself. Now, if we get a question, okay, in all these situations, things do go wrong. Yes, sometimes some doctor does some, steal some organ. Sometimes students uh, are cheated, they get into college where they don't get a job. So we see the wrong results happening, but we also see the right results happening. We also see that students, after doing engineering, they get a good career. And so because we see the results, therefore we put faith. So, the first point now is, faith is required, that's agree. But then, in these things, faith is reasonable, faith is intelligent because we can see the result. So this brings us to the argument, seeing is believing. You must have heard this argument many times. Let us discuss that. So, is seeing believing? You know, we can see, if we place ourselves in different shapes of mirrors, we can see all different kinds of things in the mirrors. So let's see now, if any of your friends argue with you, seeing is believing, you can give a simple two-point refutation to them. Let's discuss what the two-point is. First is, there are things which we see, but we don't believe. What is this? Yeah, railway line. So what do we see at the distance? Yeah, the two railway lines seem to meet. Now if the railway lines meet, and we will never meet our relatives. If we are going on a journey. <laughs> it will be a disaster. Although we see it, we know it is not happening. What is that? Uh, what is that called? Horizon. Yeah, horizon. So now, do the sky and the earth ever meet? No. Actually the sun sets and the sun is, where the sun sets and the sun meets the earth. The earth will catch fire. Sometimes in childhood you may hear stories like that. So, uh, it's ridiculous to think that the sun and earth are meeting. The sky and the earth are meeting. But we see it. That means, we don't actually believe what we see. We use our intelligence to decide what to believe or not. So our our understanding is not based on our seeing, it is based on our intelligence. Somebody may see in a concave mirror, the handsome looking person may look very distorted. So beauty queen we are told to look in a concave mirror, seeing is believing, she will get a heart attack. And these people are so paranoid about her, their looks. What do you see over here? Mirage. Now, if you see, there are animals like a deer, who see the water in the mirage and they believe it and they run after it and all that they get is just my thirst will be quenched and they put their mouth and they get burning hot sand spit it out and then immediately they see the next mirage and they run after that so seeing is believing becomes the cause of the suffering and the death of the animals a, a human being may also see the mirage but he understands there is no water over there so because a human being refuses to believe what he sees, that's why he lives. So seeing and belie- seeing is believing is foolish. It is animal philosophy. It is not human philosophy. To believe what we see is actually animal philosophy. And a human being uses his intelligence to understand what is the truth. This is one aspect. There are things which we see, but we don't believe. Conversely, there are next Things which we don't see, but we believe. 
there are very practical things like none of us has seen the father of the nation none of us has seen America say oh no 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 there are people who have seen all these things that's okay but we have not seen it like that there are people who have seen God also but let's take more scientific things you know time can we ever see time we can see only the measurement of time but we can never see time per se Oh, if a student is preparing for his exam and he finds his studies are not done, only 15 minutes are remaining for the paper. So he just takes a clock, takes a stone, thak, throws at the clock, thak. now the time is destroyed, now I have no tension of exam. It won't work like that. So we never see time, we can only see the measurement of time. Similarly, electrons. So, in our laboratory, the lab guide may tell us, you know, so here we see an electron now. But we don't see an electron. All that we see is a particular condensation pattern in a cloud chamber. And from that we infer that there is an electron. So none of us has seen an electron at all. Nobody. And if you see, a can, now a doctor's main purpose is to cure pain, cure disease and pain. Now can a doctor see pain? You can see the result of pain. Now you see, the whole of medical science, which is a multi-billion trillion dollar industry, it is based on trying to cure pain. But that which is supposed to cure it cannot see. For example, you know, uh, like say, I had TB at one time. So at that time, you know, the doctor can see the X-ray and say, oh, you have got TB. But the X-ray can, X-ray can see the extent of TB. But the X-ray cannot tell the extent of pain that is there. There is a fracture, okay, your bone was like this, it has become like this. So that angular displacement can say. But there is no measurement, no parameter, no device for the measurement of pain. Now if we say seeing is believing, then we will have to reject the existence of pain itself. Now we may say I don't believe in pain, but when pain comes, you know, we will have to endure it. Isn't it? So there are so many real emotions which exist, and there are whole sciences dedicated to dealing with them, but they are immeasurable. So therefore, seeing, so here we see, and there are more scientific concepts also like I, which cannot be seen practically speaking. So the point here is that seeing is not believing. So if we say I put faith in things because I see the results, there are so many things in which you don't see the results, still we put faith. Go ahead. So, this is a story that Srila Prabhupada would often tell of Dr. Frog. So there was a frog in a well and you know he had learned a lot. So the other frog saw that he was very intelligent so they decided to give him a PhD degree. So he became Dr. Frog. And then one day a young frog came from the ocean tuk, 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 jumping and then he jumped into the wave. And he started talking about the big ocean from which he has come. And they all thought oh this frog seems to be intelligent. So let us introduce him to our Dr. Frog. So they took him. They said, so, so, Dr. Frog said, So, where are you coming from? I am coming from the Atlantic Ocean. Atlantic Ocean? What is that? It is a large body of water. Large body of water? How large? Half of this well? No, it is much bigger than this well. Much bigger? Twice as big? No, no, it's much bigger. 
five times as big. Two. It's much bigger. Ten times. No, no, it's much bigger. Impossible. There is no such thing as the Atlantic Ocean. No, no. If you come with me out of your well, I will show you the Atlantic Ocean. That is unscientific. What do you mean? Only those things exist according to our scientific method. Only those things exist which can be seen inside this well. If you want to prove the existence of the Atlantic Ocean, you have to bring the ocean inside this well. Stay in your ocean. Well, I am going back to my ocean. So, so actually, Shlakar Wala tells the story. So, this young frog is the devotee. The doctor frog is the atheist. And the well is our sense perception. What we can see with our senses. The ocean is the spiritual world. So, is God and his spiritual world. Now, if you see, there is a process to see God also. We will discuss towards the end of the seminar. How when we follow a process, then our spiritual senses awaken and we can all see God. But, that requires following of the process. Just like, this young frog said, I can show you the ocean, but you have to come out of the well. Similarly, we have to follow the process and then we can see. You know, there is the eyes are there of the body, but the soul has its own eyes. When those eyes are awakened, then we can see. No, you have to bring the ocean in the well. Now is it possible for the ocean to come to the well? If the ocean comes in the well, then there will be no more well and no more frog and nobody is seeing only. Everything will be destroyed. So it's not a reasonable demand to ask the ocean come to the well. Rather, the person should go from the well to the ocean. Similarly, God by definition is spiritual. And his kingdom is also spiritual. Whereas our senses are material. So now with material senses, we cannot see that which is spiritual. Every particular perception requires a particular apparatus. For example, a thermometer is very useful for measuring temperature. But if I put a thermometer on the heart, can I measure the heartbeat? No matter how sophisticated thermometer I make, I can't use it. If I close my eyes and I say, I want to see how you look with my ears. But I can put as many devices as I want, I want my ears, but I will not be able to see. There is a particular process for everything. So it is an unreasonable demand to say that God be brought within our sense perception. Rather, we should leave our sense perception and purify ourselves so that our spiritual perception awakens. And then we will be able to see God. So now, the important point of this lesson, this, incident, this particular anecdote is that can the frog in the well prove the non-existence of the ocean? He is telling, now if you want me to believe in the ocean, then you have to bring the ocean here. Okay, I say I cannot bring the ocean. But does that mean that the ocean doesn't exist? Is there any way he can prove the non-existence of the ocean? No. It is he believes. Now he is convinced that there is no such thing as ocean. 
that means his 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 idea his claim that there is no ocean is a matter of faith that means now this is the most important point atheism is also based on faith how faith in the non existence of god even an atheist cannot prove the non existence of god so everybody depends on faith the scientist depends on faith the road traveler depends on faith the patient depends on faith even an atheist depends on faith <coughs> so atheism is also a religion it is a religion of faith in faithlessness faith in faithlessness faith in the non existence of god therefore there is no escaping faith we say i don't want to put faith in religion no you have to put faith somewhere to put faith in the non existence of god therefore faith and even the atheist has not seen the death of god has not seen the non existence of god so there is no way to escape faith now we'll understand how even the method of science is based on faith in the beginning i mentioned people think that science is with facts no so even science is based on faith let's see how oh 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 the whole thing has got hidden mm. can you give the laptop here So this is a hypothetical experiment conducted by Dr. John Birdwatcher, the ornithologist. Who is the ornithologist? One who studies birds. Yes. So, what is the purpose of the experiment? Let us see. So he is conducting the experiment to determine the color of all birds on planet Earth. And how is he going to do this experiment? He is going to observe all the birds that come. within his visual range and he's going to need note down their color so his apparatus is a pair of eyes and an extra pair of eyes so let's see how the experiment goes is concluded after exhaustive study what is the conclusion the bird species we can conclude on the basis of extensive evidence that all planet birds on planet earth are black so this is the black bird theory let us see what happens next
Next. So, the Blackbird theory wins the Nobel Prize. And then what happens? Next. We are on the verge of a breakthrough in our understanding of the color of birds. So when scientists use a break, the word breakthrough, you have to understand that they are on the verge of a breakdown. So their theory is breaking down, they call that as a breakthrough. And then what happens? Yeah. Then they decide, let's unify both the theories. So earlier we had a blackbird theory, now we have white bird theory. So let's unify. The grand unified theory. All birds are either black or white. Yes. Then what happens? This is not meant to make uh, fun of science or scientists, but we are just trying to observe the point how science is also based on faith. How does science work when scientists say we have made a theory? For example, we will see how this same principle operated in the world of physics. A scientist makes a 100, 200, 500 observations. And when they see these observations, then based on the pattern in those observations, they come up with a theory. But in the future when they make observations, they are having faith and the future observations will confirm this theory. So even science is based on faith. And this faith can often be unfounded. Let us see. From the history of physics. So we all know that the 17th century, Newton came up with the laws of physics, the laws of motion. Now they had a tremendous influence on the scientific world. And scientists are thinking these are universal truths, bedrock truths of science which help us to understand the world. That means that like earlier we had all birds are black. So like that the theory here is all matter obeys Newton's laws of motion. But in the 20th century something very strange happened. So when scientists are studying the microscopic world Within the atom, the electrons, the mesons, the hadrons, the neutrinos, they found all their, these particles, their motion doesn't seem to obey Newton's laws. 
And similarly they found, that means, they found, oh we thought all birds are black, but you find a white bird. You find some matter that doesn't obey Newton's laws. Then what happened? Next. Therefore Planck and others, they came up with the quantum physics theory to explain the behavior of subatomic particles. So then what happened after that? Okay, this bird is not black, this bird is white. Okay, so like, okay this matter doesn't seem to be Newton's laws. It obeys some other laws. It's quantum laws. And what happened after that? In the microscopic, macroscopic world when they observed, that means at the universal level, they found there also, for example, the huge stars when they move, the comets and all those things, the way the universe is expanding, all these celestial objects don't seem to be obeying Newton's laws again. Then what happened? Einstein came up with the theory of relativity. First general relativity, first specific relativity, then general relativity after that. So to explain the motion of heavy objects moving at high speeds. So now the currently scientific understanding is that actually Newton's laws are a small subset, they are not universal. At a normal level they work, but at a microscopic level they don't work, at a macroscopic level they don't work. At that level we need different laws. That means, okay, all birds are not black. The birds observed in this particular garden between morning 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock are black. It's a very conditional observation. It's not a universal observation. Now, now currently what is the understanding? Okay, some matter obey this laws, some matter obey that laws. But the problem is, all matter is one. Isn't it? Even the big, big planets are made ultimately of atoms and molecules. Subatomic particles. So currently scientists are completely confused about what is the actual theory of physics. Because uh, if you know a little bit of physics, uh, that quantum physics is based on the idea that there is no such thing as particles. There is no gross matter. Everything is simply waves. It's all made of waves. Whereas Einstein's relativity theory requires that there are gross particles. So then, is nature made of waves or is it made of particles? Nobody knows that. Then whichever theory works, scientists use that theory. And they go ahead. So they actually don't know how nature is. They simply use whatever theory that works. And it works means it works right now. Will it work in the future? They don't know. So even science is based on faith. There is a famous astrophysicist, John Wheeler. So he was once asked. And there are so many theories going about. But then... For example, sometimes scientists say there is a Big Bang Theory, there is a Super String Theory, there is a Crunch Bang Theory, there is a Baby Universe Theory. So all the theories which keep coming up about how the universe came, how the universe is operating. So one of his students asked him, Sir, there are so many theories, how can we study all these theories? So he told that if you miss a bus, a girl or a cosmological theory, don't run after it because in a few minutes another one is coming. <laughs> it's a materialistic joke, but what is he saying? That actually the theories are so many, they are just speculations. Go ahead. Yeah. As I was telling the two pillars of physics, quantum and relativity, they are, don't work together, they are violently contradictory. And nobody knows how both of them can be brought to. So in physics what it is, at least this bird can be black, this bird can be white. It's okay. But you know, when I observe this same bird here, it appears black. When I see it here, it becomes white. How is it possible? 
but that's how it is like same matter at a macroscopic level is is actually obey it doesn't seem to obey quantum laws it obeys relativity laws but same matter at microscopic level seems to obey this laws so actually science demands greater faith than what the bird example requires go ahead yeah john will have recorded it say a few minutes a new one is coming yeah go ahead Hmm. Do you understand this point? Scientists say everything came from a big bang. So at the time of the explosion, the microscopic and the macroscopic were one. So which laws were being followed at that time? The same matter. So it's a big problem. Currently, physics is a very wavy foundation. Go ahead. So therefore, the point of this example is not to say that science is bad, but to prove that science also operates on faith. So therefore, faith is not bad. what is bad is blind faith so now we will discuss what is the difference between blind faith and reasonable faith so for example when we go to a doctor we put faith in doctor doctor tells take you take this medicine you'll get cured then we put faith and then only we get cured so that's not blind faith so when we go to a doctor we observe two things first is we go to a person who has credibility we won't go if i have, i have stomach pain i won't go to a cobbler on the street please give me some medicine and not only that first of all he has to have the credentials then also we'll ask some relative or friend who is a good doctor or please tell me then i'll go to him so there is credentials there is credibility and then after that also for example i have stomach pain and the doctor says you know we have to cut off your leg what cut off my leg why No, no. Then your stomach pain will go away. It doesn't make sense, isn't it? So we evaluate using our intelligence. Does it almost make sense, isn't it? So when we put faith in a doctor, before putting faith, we check whether it is sensible to put faith. And then also we ask the doctor, okay, what do you say will happen? Say if you give, okay, your your stomach pain is because of extra acids in it. There's too much acid in the stomach. You take this antacid. Three days you take it, your pain will go away. Then I take it for three days. If the pain goes away, I say, yeah, he's a good doctor. It doesn't go away, I say, oh, he's a bad doctor. I should go to somebody else. That means the second aspect of putting faith is verifiability. Can go ahead. Next slide. So this is that. These are two characteristics of reasonable faith. Reasonable faith means before we put faith, we check whether it makes sense. And after we put faith. we check whether the faith produces the desired result the promised result if it does then that faith is reasonable and reasonable faith is not only desirable it is essential without reasonable faith we will not be able to live even if we go to the best doctor in the world if a patient tells a doctor doctor i cannot put faith in you and your prescription first you cure me then i will take i have faith and then i'll take your prescription 
ఆక్సిజన్ కానీ కూడా సంపడియాల్సి నాట్ పాసిబుల్ సో బ్లైండ్ ఫేత్ ఇస్ సటన్లీ రాంగ్ ఇస్ అన్డిజైరబుల్ బట్ రీజనబుల్ ఫేత్ ఇస్ నాట్ ఓన్లీ డిజైరబుల్ ఇట్ ఎసెన్షియల్ సో నా లెట్ సి వెదర్ ఫేత్ ఇన్ స్పిరిచువాలిటీ ఇస్ బ్లైండ్ ఆర్ ఇస్ రీజనబుల్ So we will be discussing based on the acronym FAITH, F-A-I-T-H. We will discuss five points. So, the first point is futility. Futility means Vartata. In English, Hindi means Vartata. Wastage. So, futility of godlessness. What is the futility of godlessness? Here you see these pictures. You know the former American president, long time ago, John F. Kennedy. now he was actually young handsome intelligent powerful popular good looking uh, he had a good beautiful wife sweet children he was what every american dreamt of being and he was reelected with a landslide victory and then as he was going to address the victory rally suddenly a piece of metal lead came from somewhere and it went through his head from top of the world out of the world in one moment so people say that india is making progress yes india is making progress but what is the progress now mahatma gandhi was cut with uh, was killed with a shot stand gun indira gandhi was killed with a machine gun rajiv gandhi was killed with a bomb so actually death is inevitable no matter how big how famous a person becomes so the point here you are saying is okay somebody says i don't believe in god i don't care for god okay you don't believe in soul don't believe in spirituality then we can ourselves see the futility of godless unspiritual life any moment that life can end just any moment and then everything that one has worked for is waste is gone so when one says that i will not put, i don't have i don't want to put faith in god then he is putting faith in material life is this point clear now and he said i don't i don't know whether god exists i don't know whether i'll go back to god or not i can't put faith in god okay but that means you are putting faith in your material life you say that i don't have time for god that means what i have time because i have to study so i am putting faith that by studies i'll have a bright career i'll have a long life and i will enjoy life but that is also an act of faith so but this faith we can see being baffled so many times is it big big people killed all of a sudden nowadays is terrorists coming up and all these bombs any time things may go wrong but anyone who says somebody no no everybody doesn't die like that so many people live to long ages but still what is the use of their life the life of most people it can be summarized in these four words www four w's first w is want i want a mobile i want a jeans i want a bike i want a car i want a house i want this i want that so many things want 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 in bhagavad gita 16 chapter lord krishna describes these people 16.11 12 he describes asha pasha shatair baddha by hundreds and thousands of desires they are bound want 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 and now nothing comes free therefore if we want then we work 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 see sometimes in english there is a saying called to work like a donkey but actually the way people work nowadays even the donkeys would go on strike 
Why? Because even donkeys sleep at night. You see, nowadays people work in call centers and they work in all sorts of shift companies. All night they are working. So, work, work, work. Why? Because they are hoping by working I will earn money and then I will be happy. But then what happens? Even if we work, we want, we work. But after that also there is no guarantee that we will get what we want. Or even if we have got what we want, there is no guarantee that it will stay with us. Therefore there is worry, 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 worry. And in the, no matter how much we worry, whether I will be able to protect my things or not, ultimately we lose everything. You see, none of us has a worry time. But worry is like a constant background noise. Always there, what will happen if I don't pass my exam? What will happen if, you know, my project, my guide doesn't like me? What will happen if I don't get a job? What will happen? What will happen? Worry, worry, worry. And then at the end, and despite all of our worrying, we lose. So then there is weep, 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 weep. People cry. So, this is what material life is. Want, work, worry, weep. Now, Srila Prabhupada, he often refuted this Darwin's theory of evolution. Darwin's theory is survival of the fittest. But the fact is, in material life, nobody survives. Even the fittest don't survive. So, this is the first point. That if we don't believe in God, look at what life is going to offer to us. Struggle, 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 and then die. That's what life is all about. Isn't there something higher to life? Yesterday I was telling about that boy who just you know, in a party celebrating his coming at the topper, got a heart attack and died. So isn't there something more purposeful, more long term, more meaningful to life? So this, if we think about what material life is ultimately going to offer to us, that makes us sober. Then let's come to the next point. Yeah? So F was futility. Then A is design. Amazing design we see in this world. See, this is very important to understand that uh, you have seen this in your Discover Yourself Fashion 1 also, how there is such amazing design in this world which indicates the existence of a designer. So, you know, all of you are sitting peacefully now, but you are not sitting peacefully, you are moving at high speed. The earth is having triple motion. It's rotating on its own axis, it's revolving around and then the whole Milky Way as a part of the universe is expanding. But despite this triple motion, we don't feel a single motion. According to some scientists, we are moving at something like 64,000 miles per hour. Very, very fast. But actually, we don't feel any motion. And to feel no motion, even in the presence of high motion, that is called as excellent engineering. It's like you say in the car, I had a smooth ride. That means what? Sometimes you move your lift. You enter the lift and you feel you are standing and zoom, you reach the fifth floor. So if there is good engineering, that means there is high speed motion but there appears to be no motion. So the earth is like that. Or for that matter, if you see clouds. You know, the clouds are like a mobile, water, mobile, airborne, water tank. It just takes water from here to there. But it is such a technology that an entire airplane can go through the water tank and there is practically no leakage at all. So that is aircraft proof technology. You know even the twin tower designers could not make aircraft proof technology. So, so, and what is the raw material that makes this 
एयरक्राफ्ट प्रूफ वाटर टैंकर इट जस्ट वाटर वेपर एंड सम डस्ट पार्टिकल इन दमेजिंग टेक्नोलॉजी सो मेनी एग्जाम्पल्स photosynthesis itself is a miracle by which mud is converted into mangoes that's why go ahead now we are there are, we can just share the mic there are a lot of slides of eminent scientists who have expressed their conviction that there is a god so you can just read one one quote yeah so you are you are still believing that you create of knowing god through one way or anything we can have in this world So, yeah, Michael Faraday. Thank you. So Faraday was a founder of electromagnetism, practically. So he said that yes, I have found this, but I want to know what is God's purpose. What is what is God's purpose? That is what is the most valuable knowledge. Go ahead. Yeah. Almighty, Almighty God, who has created man in in own image and made him a living soul, that he. Right, speak after the, after the, James Clerk Maxwell. Yeah, so Maxwell's equation, you know, so he's almost writing like a prayer, saying that God has created us so that we can know Him. Go ahead, next. My task is the action, the key to the secret, secret of nature, and to reveal to the greatness of the creation and the Creator, Maxwell. Hmm. So he was an atomic physicist, and he said, "When I saw the marvelous design of the atom, I knew there must be a God." Go ahead. An equation for me has no meaning unless it represents the thought of God. This is India's own genius mathematician. So now this is a brilliant insight. See, E is equal to mc square. So equation. But but Einstein may have postulated that equality, but who actually made the equality? Who actually made it? He said that is the thought of God. So we have studied so many equations. Nobody told us what the thought the equation is represent. The equation is the thought of God. Go ahead. There is a higher power not influenced by our wishes, which finally decides and judges. Better Heisenberg. Yes, Heisenberg was postulated uncertainty principle, but he said beyond uncertainty there is certainty. There is uh, some power which decides these things. There are many quotes like this. We are just having a sample in my one of my books, Science and Spirituality. I give over several dozen quotes like this of eminent scientists who all believe in God. Go ahead, Jonas Kepler. I have endeavoured. Yeah, you can read from there. Calculation. so that means for him he is using geometry to understand how god has created this world so he doesn't see science as disproving the existence of god but science as proving the glory of god <coughs> go ahead so you can just skip this now we don't have time there are many this arthur compton is there then we have ernst boris chain he talks about molecules cannot come by chance there is arthur swallow yeah all these people are nobel laureate sometimes People say that old scientists believe in God. Modern scientists don't believe in God. No, so many modern scientists who believe in God. Derek Barton, Max Born, they're all Nobel Prize winners. Then we have Christian Andersen. Go ahead. And of course, we have Einstein. I only trace the lines that flow from God. In fact, Einstein, for some point of his life, became atheistic, especially because he was a Jew, and when he saw how so many Jews were killed. 
and he understood the concept of god in the jew religion he was very dissatisfied he says how can god be so cruel how can god allow this but when he actually studied physics you know he felt this there has to be a god so as the quote of his he says that the more one studies nature the more one's respect for god increases so now we come to a third point go ahead yeah what is the purpose of this world so first on one side we saw what was f futility we see this world is so much suffering is there and then a we saw there is design so now how is it possible that there can be suffering also and there can be design also it doesn't make sense why would god make a world we will design the world very nicely and then he will make suffering in the world so once one of our devotees had gone to a doctor so the doctor happened to be atheist and the doctor saw that devotee had a kanti mala tilak he said you believe in god so of course i do how can there be a god how many people are suffering people die in earthquakes tsunamis floods there cannot be any god where is god the devotee didn't reply anything and then he left the clinic and after a few minutes he came back into the clinic and he says there is no doctor in the city what do you mean i am a doctor there is no doctor in the city are you crazy come out with me took the doctor by the hand and took him out and outside on the street there was a beggar who was coughing piteously coughing the very fact that he is sick proves that there are no doctors in the city crazy he is sick because he is not coming to me said so that you said exactly people are suffering because they are not going to god or so, the existence of disease does not prove the non existence of doctor it simply proves that the person is not approaching the doctor is not following the doctor similarly the existence of suffering proves that we are not following god it doesn't prove the non existence of god go ahead so the third point we are discussing is about intelligence that if somebody goes to a hospital hmm and he tells the nurse ah today i want paneer sabji and pakoda and pulao her says yeah this is your soup and this is your salad hey what is this not giving me what i want this is a crazy hospital i don't like this hospital at all you are not managing properly this hospital no if we go to a hospital the purpose of the hospital is not to satisfy our tongue it is to cure our body and we will be given food that cures our body so whenever we go to any place we have to understand the purpose of that place and then we can evaluate whether that place is functioning properly or not if i go to a hospital expecting delicious food stuff then it's my foolishness the hospital is not meant for delicious food stuff it's meant for curing similarly what is the purpose of this world you know if we imagine this world is a place of enjoyment and we see there are so many things wrong you know i get sick people misunderstand me it's too cold it's too hot what kind of world god has made no we have to understand what is the purpose of this world so this world is not like a hotel it is like a hospital very foundational point of philosophy this world is not like a hotel it's like a hospital and if we see it that way then we will see that this way world is perfectly designed it is designed not for our enjoyment but for our treatment to treat us to cure us this world is made 
वो है वॉट इज दिस वॉट इज हैपनिंग इज यूजिंग अ मर्सिडीज टू प्लो अ फील्ड नाउ इफ अ फार्मर यूज अ मर्सिडीज टू प्लो अ फील्ड थ्री थिंग्स विल हैपन द मर्सिडीज विल गेट स्पॉइड द फील्ड विल गेट स्पॉइड एंड द ड्राइवर विल गेट फ्रस्ट्रेटेड The farmer will get frustrated, isn't it? Why? Because the Mercedes is not meant for flowing. So similarly, the scriptures tell us that this human body is like a very posh Mercedes car, and the activity of flowing is like enjoying materialistic pleasures, eating, sleeping, mating, defending. So now there is another vehicle called tractor, which is meant for flowing. But a Mercedes is meant for smooth driving on an expressway. If you use the Mercedes for flowing, what happens? We harm everything. So let's see what science has discovered about what happens when we use the human body for materialistic enjoyment. Firstly, what happens to the body? The body itself suffers. Take any enjoyment in this world. If we try to enjoy as much as we would like to, what will happen? We'll suffer. If people eat lots and lots and lots, what will happen? They'll become obese. They'll become sick. If people have a lot of sex, so many diseases that take place because of that. If people think that oh, I'll smoke and I'll enjoy, the lungs get burnt. If people, I'll drink and enjoy, the liver gets destroyed. So take any enjoyment in this world; it harms the body. There is not one enjoyment which is glamorized in this world which doesn't harm the body. at least the glamorous forms of enjoyment so the so look, using the mercedes for flowing spoils the mercedes like that using this body for enjoyment materialistic enjoyment spoils the body and what about the field what happens to the environment all of you are probably aware now that we are in a environmental crisis it's not only because the hmm, ozone is depleting or the globe is warming but there are hundreds of problems which are we are the rainforests are being cut off the air is getting more and more polluted so now who has caused all this pollution it's not the animals it's not the plants it's not the birds it's human beings you know there was a scientist yo wilson he did a survey seeing how different species contribute to the ecology of the planet and he found that all species contribute in some small or big way even a tiny ant it does some function earthworm it does a function and if any of these species become extinct there is a serious problem the ecology small problem big problem but some problem is there but he said that if one species is there if we eradicate that species there will be no problem in the ecology in fact all problems will be solved see that species the humans so what does that mean we are simply spoiling the field we are simply spoiling the environment on the other hand scientists are also telling us that if human beings become more spiritual then they'll be more self controlled they're more self controlled and they will not spoil the environment so much and what about the driver the person you see among all the various species it's only the human beings who are famous for committing suicide have you seen a dog committing suicide or ant committing suicide no why only human beings because in the human form of life 
you know, we have higher consciousness by which we can experience greater happiness. And when we don't get that happiness, we experience terrible frustration. We feel like we end my life. So, you see, scientifically, it's exactly like our trying to enjoy materialistically is exactly like using a Mercedes for plowing. We harm our body, we harm the environment, we harm ourselves. We become so frustrated. Therefore, if we look at the situation objectively, this body is not meant for materialistic enjoyment. It is meant for spiritual purification, spiritual transformation. Go ahead. That's why yesterday we discussed this Planck's quote. For religion, God is in the beginning. For science, God is at the end. So science is confirming what religion has discovered. Go ahead. Now, we come to the T now. F-A-I-T-H. Transformation. So what is the transforming potency or transformation? So you remember what are the two characteristics of reasonable faith? Sensible and verifiable. Sensible means before we put faith. Verifiable is after we put faith. So, how is this faith verifiable? You will actually see transformation. What is the transformation that we will see? We have discussed this several times. Lust, anger, greed, envy, pride, all these will disappear. They simply disappear. You know, in a, in a, we have a hospital in Mumbai, which where we offer not only medical care, but we also offer spiritual care. So, when patients come there, actually, like, uh, we have deities over there, so they also have deities in the hospital. The temple in the hospital. And the Jagannath temple is there. So, Jagannath ji goes from every bed to bed. And Jagannath ji gives darshan and blessings to every patient. And then just like in the morning yesterday, he offered flowers to the deities. So, that every patient is given flowers to offer. He offers flowers to the deities, and then he is given some prasad. So, there, they found, they offer spiritual care. And they have found that if the patients are supported by offering spiritual care, that means that the patients are talked with nicely. That many times patients become emotionally very disturbed. They talk about, they give some basic philosophical understanding. Then what happens? They become transformed. See, many times doctors can cure people of sickness, but they can't cure people of the cause of the sickness. Somebody may have because of eating too much meat. He has got some digestion problem. Doctors can cure that disease, but again if he eats meat, he gets the same disease again. But there what happens? People get cured. Not just of the disease, but the cause of the disease. And then there is a tremendous transformation. So, last time I had gone to the hospital. Generally, have you seen any place? If after people get well from the hospital, they again go to the hospital. They don't want to go. So here, the patients who get cured in the hospital, they again come back to the hospital for what? Not that they want to fall sick or they are fallen sick, but because there they come and learn more about spiritual life and practical spiritual life over there. And they want to share the wisdom that they have got with others. That is the speciality. So you can practically see how your life will get transformed. And you will see not only your own life, so many other people all over the world. Yesterday I was telling you about the story of this Chris Matthews. It's just one story, you know, from prisoner to present minister. There are so many stories like that, which we can discuss for hours together practically, of real life transformations of people, through who had very bad habits or who were very disturbed about small, small things. And they went, one of our devotees, he was in America, in I think, Patrick, 
something. So he was initiated and he became Partha Sarthi. So now he was in the American army. As a, gen- as a colonel in the American army. And then at that, this was about 5-6 years ago. Then he was, the American government declared war on Iraq. So he was sent to Iraq. So when he was sent to Iraq, at that time I was thinking, I don't want to get involved in this war. Why should I go and kill people? I am a devotee. But then he asked his spiritual master, his guru, so the guru told him that, no, if you are in the army, you have a duty, you have to go for war. So he went. And then because, you know, the Iraqis soldiers were actually not having technology similar to the Americans. So they were not fighting a fair battle, face to face. They were using guerrilla warfare, ambush attacks. And that's why these American soldiers were very nervous. Because anytime they were going, suddenly attack will come. So, at that time, because he was like the colonel, he had to lead his uh, troops. So, he realized that I had been chanting for several years. But there on the war fields of America, I discovered how wonderful is the name of Krishna. What happened? He was, you know, he was, he had his gun, he had his helmet, he had his American military dress and he would chant, Krishna, 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 Krishna. And because of chanting Krishna's name, he said, I felt so much security, so much safety. That there were so many close encounters and every time because of his cool-headedness, he was able to lead his troops to safety. And after one particularly close encounter, his his troops came and asked him, Sir, how do you stay so cool in such situations? So, then he was about to give an answer, then it struck him. Why Krishna sent him to Iraq? These same soldiers, he had tried to tell them about spirituality so many times, but they were not interested. But now when they were on the verge of life or death, they were very serious, very receptive. And I told them, I am fearless because I know that I am not the body and the soul. And I have God with me as His holy name. And he started telling them the philosophy and they were really hearing and understanding. And then he was a good singer. So there in the American camp in Iraq, he started having hmm, Kirtan Sandhyas. So three evenings, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, he would have Kirtans. And many of the soldiers would come and they, they had not much entertainment. They would sing and dance and enjoy life over there. And he started guitar classes over there. And then whenever they would have to go for some operation, before that he would give them an inspirational talk. Life or death, they have to remember Krishna. And then all of these people would their helmets and their guns and they would hear the talk and then he would come forward. And before they would go for war, he would put Gangajal on all of them. You know, to purify them. Anything goes wrong, Gangajal on the body. And then he would all go for battle. And then he decided that many soldiers were coming for his program, they were liking it. He decided to have Rathyatra there in the American cantonment. Because you see, uh, the Muslims often are quite fanatical. It's not necessarily all Muslims, but many Muslims. So, how it is. Uh, they demand their rights in other countries, but they don't give any rights in their countries. So, in for example, Afghanistan or Iran or Iraq, or especially for example, United, there are a lot of Indians in the UAE, Kuwait and other places. So there they don't allow any public worship of any religion except Islam. Because their understanding is very different. Now we understand there is only one God. There is Krishna, there is Allah, there is Jehovah. There is only one God called by different names. But they don't think like that. They are taught by their mullahs and their priests 
as if there is only one god allah and everybody else is what they are actually the forms of the shaitan so shaitan shaitan is devil shaitan has taken those all these forms to attract people away from god to tempt people away from god so that's why many times if you see hardline christians or muslims they will never take prasad because they don't think it is god prasad they think shaitan's prasad and that's why when muslims when the medieval times they would conquer in the kingdom the first thing they would do is go and destroy temples they would think it is our duty to allah to destroy the temples of the false gods so it's not that all muslims are like that but muslims have been brainwashed to think like that that our god is a true god all other gods are false gods so that's why till date you know in iraq we could never have a rathyatra there are many devotees in uae and other places so what when they have to have rathyatra what they do is the government's rule is you cannot have any public worship of any religion except islam so the devotees get the biggest hall that is available in the city and inside the hall they do rathyatra they have small rath and they do rathyatra the devotees also determine but you can't do anything public but because he was american and it was inside the american cantonment so he did rathyatra over there and all the american soldiers were dancing and singing in front of jagannath so yeah so he wrote a series of articles so he called it battlefield bhajans so on the battlefield whatever experiences of krishna consciousness that he had so what do we see the transformation here the normal tendency is fear but what is the transformation from fear to fearlessness from illusion to reality how it happens because by the power of krishna consciousness one understands i am not the body i am the soul and then one becomes purified so this is a transformation that we can ourselves absorb in our lives observe in our lives and that helps us to understand and the last point is go ahead the last is, so this transformation sorry before that this transformation is actually a science so i was i told earlier that we'll discuss how we can see god so in the vedic scriptures it is described that there are nine stages of the process of purification by which we will see god so the first stage is called shraddha shraddha means the little faith we come okay these these people are talking about god let me find out what are they talking about then after that we come in the association of devotees sadhu sangha what happens by sadhu sangha there devotees tell us you should chant hari krishna you should worship krishna and that is bhajana kriya bhajana kriya is the practice of devotional service practice of bhajan and when we do bhajana kriya what happens we get the result that is anartha nivritti all the last anger greed and we start going away when anartha nivritti starts going away when anartha start going away then our faith becomes very strong just like when we go to first time to doctor we are a little doubtful whether the doctor will work or not but if the doctor has cured us already then our faith becomes very strong he's a good doctor so like that then we actually see the process of krishna consciousness having its effect this our anger our lust our greed it goes down then we come to the stage of nishtha strong faith so at the stage of nishtha the faith is like a banyan tree at the stage of shraddha it is like a banana tree anybody can shake it shake like that but banyan tree nobody can shake our faith will become so strong at that end because we have experienced the results then there is there are further stages there is from nishtha you go to ruchi we develop positive state spiritually and there is asakti we become attached to krishna and then there is prem at the level of prem what happens we can actually see krishna just as we are seeing each other at the level of prem our spiritual senses are awakened 
and then with those spiritual senses we can see Krishna. So just as you know, in a scientific experiment, there can be results. Okay, you mix acid and the base. First, the mixture will turn bluish. Then it will turn blackish. And then finally, when you reach the critical point, it will turn red. That means it's up. So there are stages. So like that, there are stages. And it's a systematic science by which the transformation takes place. So now most of us, you know, you have, you have come to the third stage. We have had some sadhu and we have come to Bhajanakriya. And it's not that these stages are distinct, they are also overlapping. The more we practice Bhajana Kriya, the more the Anartha Yudhi takes place and the more the Nishtha increases. So it's a systematic process and we can all experience the benefits. This is a transformation. So one of the characteristics of science is what? Universality. Newton's law, it will work everywhere. If I throw a ball up here, it will come down. If I throw a ball up in America, it will come down. If I throw a ball up in Antarctica, it will come down. Like that, the process of Krishna consciousness is universal. Whether it's an Indian or American or even a Pakistani, you know, we have so many devotees in Pakistan. Not just Hindus but also Muslims. They also become devotees. Like one of our, one of our Muslim devotees become a preacher. It's called, there are several books. He's written one book called The Hidden Treasure of Al-Quran. So he says, within Quran, how the concept of God which is given is very similar to what is taught in the Vedic literature. There are Christians who became devotees. So one of the devotees is Krishna consciousness and Christianity. He wrote a book. How there are so many similarities. So the point here is that actually whether it is a Hindu, Muslim, Christian, Indian, Pakistani, European, man, woman, child, old man, everybody can experience the benefit. That is the indication that it is a science. It is universal. It will transform anyone and everyone. And the last thing is go ahead. H is happiness. F-A-I-T-H. So, actually, the ultimate proof is that we will experience happiness in our own hearts, in our own life. Now, how can we know if somebody is happy or not? One thing is you can see a smile on the face. But nowadays people are trained, especially if you go in companies, they are trained to, you have to wear plastic smiles on your faces. Smile. Even if you are not happy, you have to smile. But, how do we know whether a person is actually happy or not? Everybody may claim I am happy. But a simple way to understand. If a person is truly happy, then what are his sources of happiness? Now if somebody is a big movie, movie star, big film star, big cricket star, and then he is drinking and smoking, that means his cricket and his movies are not, his stardom is not giving happiness. That's why he has to smoke and drink to be happy. So, we can look at the sources of happiness of a person and understand what his happiness is. Now, if you look at devotees, you will see that they give up all materialistic sources of happiness. Now, what are the sources of happiness in this world? There is sex, there is uh, gambling, meat eating, intoxication. The devotees are able to give it all up and still they are happy. Like they are happier than most other people. That means they are getting some non-material happiness. So, what Krishna consciousness gives us is externally sometimes we may feel that I have to give up so much material happiness. No, we don't have to give up material happiness. Rather, we get so much spiritual happiness that we feel there is no need for this material happiness. That's how we move higher up. So this is something which every one of us will experience. Today morning I was telling the story about that couple in Russia who had, who were on their honeymoon. 
Now everybody knows what people do on honeymoon. But they found the happiest night of their honeymoon was when they were chanting Hare Krishna. So that is the happiness. And there are many experiences like this of devotees. Now one of our devotees had gone to the Middle East to preach. So when he had gone to preach, uh, of course even their devotees don't go in, even if somebody is sannyasi or brahmachari, they don't go in saffron dress. Because immediately the police will become vigilant. So they go in normal dress, civil dress. So they had gone there and then the immigration, this is Indrajinda Maharaj. He is also an American bodied person but he is sannyasi now. So he had gone there and when he went in, the immigration officer said, we want to check your papers. They checked once and said, wait, we want to check again. Second time they checked. Third time they checked. It's not his paper, they checked all his luggage. Three times. And then he asked him, okay, you can go now. I said, they asked him, why do you want to check my paper so many times? No, my papers are all right. My, what, what caused your suspicion? He said, no, your papers are all right. But you look so happy. We thought you must be smuggling something. Otherwise, how can you be so happy? <laughs> so, he, he wrote his diary. He said, yes, they didn't know what I was smuggling. What I was smuggling, they cannot find in my bag. They are smuggling Krishna Bhakti into the country. <laughs> that is actually in the heart. So because a devotee has Krishna with him, he is always happy. You know, Srila Prabhupada, all of you saw the video yesterday evening, about Srila Prabhupada. So you know, he is an old man, he went to America at the age of 70. He was carrying nothing. He had even just 40 rupees with him. And 40 rupees also are not of much use because you cannot convert them in America at that time in the 1960s. But what was he carrying? Generally, if you see, if there is an old man in the family, people don't want to spend too much time with the old man. They feel, what can the old man do? Here, an old man went to America and so many young people offered their lives to him. Why? Because he had happiness and he could share that happiness with others. What is that happiness? That happiness was the attraction to Krishna. So, these two things, T and H, transformation and happiness, is, comes in the verifiable part of faith. We discuss the sensible part is, before you put faith, you evaluate. Does it make sense? So, we discuss about the futility, amazing design and intelligence. So, these you can use your intelligence to evaluate. Does this make sense? But after that, what we have to do? We have to take the medicine. And then we have to take the medicine, we have to see verify. What, what is promised after this medicine is taken? Okay, your stomach pain will go away. Your diet, appetite will come back and you will become healthy. So, like that, what is promised? We will experience a transformation. And we will become happy. And this all of us can experience. Last part will conclude now. So now how do we develop faith? So you know when we chant this, before we take prasadam we chant a prayer. So the first part of that prayer gives us the secret of how we can develop faith. So you can repeat that prayer after me. Mahaprasade Govinde Mahaprasade Nama Brahmani Vaishnave Swalpa Punya Vratam Rajan Vishwaso Naiva Jayate So Vishwas, Vishwas means faith. So how do we get faith? By three things. Mahaprasad, Mahaprasade Govinda, the Prasad of Lord Govinda. Nama Brahmani, the divine name of Lord Krishna and Vaishnava, the association of devotees. So if we just do these three things, take prasad, associate with devotees, then chant Hare Krishna. We'll find that our faith will develop. Now among these three, which do you think is the most important? Chanting, prasadam and association. Chanting, prasadam, association. Which one? 
Yes. But chanting is of course important. But association is more important. Why? Because if you associate with devotees, they will give us prasad. And they will ask us, are you chanting? <laughs> so that too will happen automatically. <laughs> so we will develop faith by that. So, faith is like our internal muscles. You know, suppose uh, people want to prepare, they think, you know, in the future somebody attacks me, then I should have strong muscles. Nowadays people do bodybuilding. And they go and lift up weights. Of course, they don't do it for self-defense. They want to show how handsome I am or attract people. But they do so much building their bodies. But what about the internal bodybuilding? You know, how much danger do we really have that some well-built person will come and attack us and we'll have to fight with him with our muscles? Much more likely than that danger is the danger that some anxiety will come and attack us, some irrational desire, some, some lust, anger will come and attack us. And at that time, big, big muscles will not help us. At that time, you know, Mike Tyson, at one time he said, I just want to die. Because, you know, he, was, he, was, he, he had big muscles, but he had no control over his anger. One time he was fighting, and when he was fighting, he started losing the match. So what happened? He just pounced with the opponent, and he bit off the ear of the opponent. Because that he was like banned from boxing for some time after that. He was so miserable after that. So, so you know, you, a person may have big muscles, but that doesn't mean that he has self-control. So, if you want to face the problems of life, we need internal muscles. And we need internal bodybuilding. And that internal bodybuilding is our muscles of faith. So, our, our security and satisfaction in life does not depend only on how much money we have, or how much marks we have, how much contacts we have. It depends on how much faith we have. Because no matter how much money, how many marks, how many contacts we have, still in this world things will go wrong. Things will not go according to our plan. And if things don't go according to our plan, what will help us to go ahead is our faith. So faith is the power that can help us to face the ups and downs of life with steadiness and confidence. So that faith is the gift of God which comes if we approach Him nicely. So initially you put a little faith, move forward and the faith increases. So let's see, there's a final PPT of a butterfly and a flower. Okay. So now, spiritual life is not unscientific. It is the most scientific. Why? Because to operate a machine according to manual is a scientific way of working. Isn't it? And to use a machine without a manual, that is unscientific. So to live in this world without considering the manual, the Vedic scriptures, that is unscientific. To live in this world according to the manuals is what is scientific. Yes, go ahead. Yeah. So this I won't speak much, you can just see this.
Yes. So God gives the best to those who need the choices to do. And when can we do the choice to do? Only when we have faith. If we don't have faith, we cannot leave the choice to do. So quickly summarize what we discussed. We started with how faith is required every walk of life. We discussed it right from birth, education, employment, marriage, childbirth, traveling, eating, shaving, surgery, every activity requires faith. And it is not that we see the results of the faith in all situations. We saw how the thing which you see what you don't believe, that means you don't see what you believe. And this is how even atheism is based on faith in the non-existence of God. So that is there is no escaping of faith. Then we discuss how science is also based on faith to the world's people. So it's not we cannot escape faith. All that we can do is choose blind faith or reasonable faith. Reasonable faith has two characteristics. Sensible and verifiable. Like before going to the doctor, we evaluate. Before taking the doctor's medicine, we evaluate whether what he is saying makes sense or not. And then whether his predictions are fulfilled or not. That's verified. Sensible and verified. And then we discuss how faith is spirituality is reasonable. So F was utility we discussed. From top of the world to all of the world. W W W W. What was that? Yeah, that's what material life is, there is no God in life. So you can see practically how life goes in the way if one doesn't believe in God. Then A was amazing bizarre and So we saw so many scientists who concluded this <coughs> that behind the design of the world there must be God. So therefore, on one side we see this world is a place of suffering, but on the other side we see there is a design of this. So when something like this, it is in a hospital. So there was intelligence. So we have to evaluate the design of our object based on its purpose. So this world, we have to live according to manual. And if we don't live according to manual, we will suffer. So we discussed using a Mercedes for growing. Spoils the Mercedes, spoils the field, and frustrates the driver. Like that, using the human body for materialistic enjoyment, it ruins the human body, it ruins the ecology, and it frustrates the person even to the point of suicide. Then T was transformation. We will discuss about how this passes out the from fear fearlessness to fear, from fear to fearlessness. And how anybody and everybody who practices Krishna consciousness can get transformed. And it is not just a imaginary or a hypothetical thing. So you chant Hare Krishna, you get transformed. No, it's a stage wise description. You go through these, these stages and you will actually get so we see this happening, we look at the mind stage. Till we come to the stage of frame, where we will see Krishna as that spiritual And last ritual, happiness. So we can see that devotees can live without materialistic sources of happiness. Why? Because they are experiencing higher happiness. And that is that higher happiness we can all get. So we discuss how we can develop faith through thanking the Holy Day, honoring Krishna and associating and the last thing we discuss about our faith constitutes our internal motives, which alone enables us to gain the ups and downs of life, strength and confidence. So, we all need the power of faith, and putting faith in God is the most scientific way of living. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna.
Ik ben we go on Harinam to a nice temple which is there close by, Ram Mandir, and there we have natural places there. There we have our next round. We are back in a few minutes. Thank you.